John 6, verses 22 to 70. Verse 22. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realized that only one boat had been there and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but that they had gone away alone. Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and who, he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who has sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. At this the Jews began to grumble about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, This is not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know. How can he now say, I came down from heaven. Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. I tell you the truth, he who believes has ne has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, 
Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died, but he who feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. On hearing this, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept this? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh comes for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Yet, there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter asked him, answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you, the twelve, yet one of you is a devil? He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who through one of the twelve was later to betray him. This is the word of the Lord. Twenty-five years later are the same things kind of that they dwelt on and had their minds on 25 years ago. Uh, so you'll notice that the, the same things seem to crop up. Uh, which fashions to wear, uh, which foods to eat, which drinks to drink, and where you should be wearing those fashions and eating that food and drink. These are the things that seem to be happening 25 years later, but we've noticed there's a little twist in the, in the change over time. So nowadays it seems that uh, women's shoulder pads have come back into uh, their tops again, but with a slightly different twist to the... Uh, Tina Turner uh, Mad Max 3 version of the, the big silver ones. Uh, and also we're drinking coffee, but these days we've got better processing machines to be able to squeeze the, the oils and the guts out of those little coffee beans. And so we're told which to drink, but we've got better technology to drink it. And finally, these days you won't find that salmon mousse is all that popular either again. Uh, and deep fried camembert cheese has apparently gone out as well. You might be surprised to know that. But either way... Food, fashion and the places to be seen are the things that have uh, been on people's minds and it, and it seems to be an obsession, not just 25 years ago, but even today, uh, the things of this life and this age, but not eternity. And yet Jesus brings our attention back to another reality, a dimension of reality that we cannot avoid and it's really an eternal dimension. And so you might have noticed as we read the passage that eternal life is a theme which crops up again and again throughout this passage. 
So in the first place, we've noticed that the crowds, uh, they've been enjoying a free feed. 5,000 men got fed and more than that because there was women and children. And after the, Jesus and the disciples leave that place, the crowds come looking for Jesus again. But Jesus can see through why it is that they've turned up to see him. And he challenges their motive for seeking him, their attitude of focusing only on the things of this life, the things, uh, the material things of the here and now. And instead, Jesus challenges them to think about the things of eternity. And so we'll pick it up in verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. And so Jesus highlights our need to come to him for eternal life, life eternally. We see this again in several other verses. I'll pick it up in 40, 47 and 51. So verse 40. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. Verse 47. I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. And 51. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Now, I've noticed that people often talk from time to time about uh, their length of life and how many years so-and-so got and how many years they expect to have left before they part company with the world. I've had a few chats like that with people uh, at school recently. But one of the things that I did point out to the person I spoke to was that the bigger issue as far as God's concerned is not so much when we're going, uh, so much as where we are going when we die. And so as we engage with people this week uh, in Christ's mission, we need to be bringing that other dimension of uh, reality to their attention, that eternal dimension, and wrestle with them about the fact that they'll either spend eternity with God or eternity apart from God. That's something that Jesus says we can't avoid. But the second thing we're grappling with here in this passage is that a truly satisfying life comes through Jesus. For we read in John chapter 6, verse 35, Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. In this passage, the people that were coming to Jesus were focused wholly and solely on the, the food that they might get from Jesus, as though uh, another free meal might be the thing that makes the difference in their lives. We see this from verse 30 onwards. So they asked him, what miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the, the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. 
Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus is reminding us from this little section that ultimately true satisfaction and contentment in life comes through him by taking him, the true bread from heaven. Often we think that uh, contentment comes through filling our lives with all different kinds of experiences. Some people might even measure their life based on uh, the types of meal that they've eaten, maybe even the number of lobsters they've eaten. Uh, But God in his kindness, whilst he does give us rich experiences in life, things to enjoy, there is a problem if we only have the experiences but without God. If we only have all our wonderful overseas trips or good barbecues together, but we don't have life with God, ultimately life still proves to be very empty. And in the end, our lives will be seen that we don't have life with the life giver. And it's actually a shell of a life of the reality that we could have enjoyed if we did enjoy life with God. Teaching scripture is an interesting experience for me. Each week, uh, kids often ask good questions. And this, uh, in the past week, one of the young people asked me, what is uh, our meaning and purpose in life? It's a very good question to ask someone who's uh, spent a bit of time in the Westminster Shorter Catechism, because that's the first question. What is man's primary purpose or what is man's chief end? And the answer is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Jesus is talking about meaning in life. He's saying contentment, true satisfaction, comes by life with him. And so I was able to say to that young man that God's at the centre of the universe. He's made us as his creatures. And our lives have meaning as we are, we are glorifying him and enjoying him forever. As we've got a relationship with God, our lives have meaning. And so that's a very positive thing that we can offer the world this week as we go out uh, with a heightened awareness of mission We can remind people that life does have meaning if people have a relationship with God. The third point is we come to life with Jesus by God's grace. Jesus teaches us that people will come to him according to God's will. We see that from verse 36. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. Verse 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. This point about God drawing people to himself comes out a couple of times in this passage. If you look down at verse 44, we read, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. In verse Uh, 65 he went on to say this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the father has enabled him in these words we're confronted with the reality that God is sovereign over salvation he gives salvation to whoever he chooses God doesn't owe us anything and yet in his wisdom and according to his mercy He chooses to grant people repentance. He chooses to call some people to enjoy life with him. 
This part of the Bible in John is actually in accordance with what other parts of the Bible say about God granting repentance. In Acts chapter 11 verse 18 we read that the disciples in Jerusalem acknowledged that God had granted repentance to the Gentiles. And Paul encourages Timothy to pray for people who oppose him that God might grant repentance to them. And so we believe that God is sovereign over everything and he's sovereign in salvation. The reason why it seems that God takes the initiative in saving people is because it's human nature to run away from God. We see that from Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Do you remember when God came in the cool of the day uh, in judgment to meet them? They hid from God. Again, in John chapter 3, there's a note that people by nature would prefer to avoid John, uh, avoid God. They don't, they don't want to avoid John. They'd avoid God. In uh, John chapter 3, verse 19, it says this, This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. It comes naturally to people to actually shy away from God. And again, this teaching is in accordance with what Paul teaches us about human nature from Romans chapter 1, verse 18, when he says that by their unrighteousness, men suppress the truth. Although people know something of God from the creation, from what has been made, people know enough about God to know that they don't want to submit to him. And so God takes the initiative and draws people to himself, even though people would prefer to avoid him. And yet these verses still speak about uh, much hope for our world, don't they? They remind us that God is merciful, even though humanity uh, prefers to avoid God. Even ourselves, we have been people with a, a nature that's inclined to want to run away from God. God in his kindness changes us to draw us back to himself. And so as we think about mission, uh, we need to remember that God has given us this word not only for ourselves to believe, uh, but John writes these things that a whole lot of people would come to believe that Jesus is the Christ and have life with him. And God indeed calls us to participate in that mission by prayer. God changes people's hearts and he calls upon us to, to pray to him that he will change their hearts. We see something of this in action in uh, 2 Thessalonians. Paul says to the church there, Finally, brothers, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honoured. Isn't that remarkable? Paul's encouraging the Christians to pray that the message of salvation might be honoured, that God might change people's hearts. So as we engage in mission this week, let us remember that we have the privilege of participating in what God is doing in the world, that he's drawing people to himself, and we have a responsibility to share the message about salvation truthfully and also pray that God would continue to change people's hearts. Let's, let's be involved in doing that this week. My fourth point is that we need also to accept that not everybody will come to Jesus. Even the master evangelist, Jesus, the first missionary, deals with the reality that not everybody will turn to him in faith. We see this from verse 57 down to 66. He says, Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. Verse 58. This is the bread that came down from heaven, 
Your forefathers ate manna and died, but he who feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Jesus speaks about himself as the bread of life who needs to be received in people's inmost being. But these people who were there seem to be only concerned about uh, their material needs. And so they decided no longer to follow him. But did you notice Jesus' response to this situation? He doesn't panic. He doesn't get rattled. Nor does he lose it, as we're inclined to say, when we, um, when we get uncomfortable sometimes. Instead, Jesus uh, looks at their response as pretty much a problem for them in the face of the reality which he brings to our, our situation. He talks about the Son of Man ascending to where he was before. He's talking about his resurrection. That uh, What will they think when Jesus is risen uh, and there is the time for judgment? when they've missed out on a saviour. Well, it'll be too late then. Jesus doesn't change his message. Uh, and we need to take that tip from him to hold on to the message that salvation is found by coming to faith in Christ. Even if people don't accept it, even if they turn back when they hear that message. Paul, the apostle, also found this uh, as he proclaimed the gospel, that it was a divisive thing to do. He describes the, the proclamation of salvation that's found in Christ as the aroma of death to those who are perishing, but the aroma of life to those who are being saved. This week, as the mission team goes out, they're going to be stinky people. They're going to be the aroma of life to those who love salvation and can see what's in Christ. Uh, and they're going to be the smell of death who can't stand the idea that you've got to come to Christ for salvation. So this week the aroma is going to go out from this church. Uh, it'll be either the smell of life or the smell of death. I don't know which one I'd prefer the smell of. As we even think about this mission week coming up with our carols, if we really wanted to get the punters in, as they say, uh, we could do that. We could get some rock and roll bands in with big guitars and amps, we could get free food, possibly some Kentucky Fried Chicken and a great big keg of beer. And that would certainly get the punters in. But the fact is, salvation doesn't come through free food and a keg of beer, does it? And so that exercise would be pointless. And so we've got to continue to hold on to the same message that Jesus proclaimed because as he tells us in John 14, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. People can't get right with God any other way. That's why we don't change the message, even if others want to turn away. And finally, my fifth point, Jesus alone has the words of eternal life. 
the 12 disciples draw a different conclusion to the crowds that turn away. But he challenges them. In verse 67, Jesus says, You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Well, it seems to me that the disciples have been drawn to God, that they might have life by trusting in Jesus. And I hope that's why you're here today, because God has worked within your heart by his spirit, that he's drawn you to himself, to realise that Jesus is the Holy One of God, the, the King and the Saviour of the world, and that you've come to accept that Jesus has the words of eternal life. There's words of hope. Well, this week, let's... Um, keep thinking about how we can be engaged in this great mission that, that Jesus is already involved in by his spirit to engage the world with the news that they need to turn back to Jesus to have forgiveness and enjoy eternal life with him. Well, there is a challenge for us as we uh, live as his people and engage in his mission this week. Jesus calls us to see life in a very broad way from the point of view of eternity. He calls us to see life in a deeply satisfying way that we, we can enjoy a real life as we uh, have a relationship with God that comes through Christ. We're encouraged to engage our, our community with the news of this message of salvation. But we know that we don't do it in our own strength. Someone's hit the deck. I might uh, close now and encourage each of us to persevere with our faith in Christ this week and to continue with the message of salvation. Amen.